nice to be back. I'm so over all of these COVID lockdowns. Yes, in, out, over. The... Man, just driving me crazy. Anyway, it is nice to be back. Nice to have Dave and Catherine here with us all the way from north. And nice to have a full band again today. It was really good. You're going to have to help me because my ear is still all wonky and I just don't know if I'm loud or soft or anything. I'm, I sound like I feel like I've got a bucket over my head, so I probably look like I've got a bucket over <laughs> So if it's too soft or too loud, please wave or shout or do something. So. Um, I, think we all, I think we would all know that Agree. Christians all around the world are in agreement. Well, actually, this is changing a little bit, which is surprising. But the majority of Christians around the world would be in agreement that the, the way, the path to salvation is through Jesus. I think, that, I think most people would agree with that. I'm, I'm certain that everyone in this place would agree with that. But um, there is a growing trend that people are discarding Jesus in terms of how you get saved. This is amazing. And there is a lot of confusion that people have. Even though that people do agree, most people would agree um, that salvation is through Jesus Christ, a lot of people are confused about the process of that. Is it just belief in Jesus? Or do we have to add a whole lot of other things? And, that, and, and people are taught through religion that you've got to add a whole lot of things to just simple faith in Jesus. You've got to either add stuff to get saved, to prove you're saved, or to stay saved. And to me, that, that, all that does is it produces confused, schizophrenic Christians who live one day with a confidence that God loves them, and then they do something wrong, and the next day they think, oh no, does God love me or not? You know, have I done, am I doing enough good things for God to still like me, to still keep me saved? And, and that, that's a, that just produces performance Christianity. You're on the, on the merry-go-round of performance. And it just leaves people feeling condemned, confused, frustrated. And eventually, for many people, they just give up. They say, this is just all too hard. And the primary reason to me because for, for that is people have not heard the real good news of the gospel. They've heard a mixed gospel or they've heard a very distorted, perverted view of the gospel rather than the pure good news of the gospel. Do you know that word gospel? We think it just means good news. Who's ever heard that before? That the gospel means good news. Do you know what it literally means? The too good to be true good news. That's what it really means. The too good to be true good news. <laughs> the gospel is good news. Amen? Why do people need to be saved? Because sin, we're all born into sin. And we do things wrong. We can't help it because we were born with a sin nature. And that sin nature caused us to be separated from God. 
It caused man to lose his authority on the earth. It causes man to lose his intimate fellowship and relationship with God. And it caused us to lose eternal life. Adam was created to live for eternity. But when he sinned, he lost all of that. He lost his authority, his relationship with God, his intimate fellowship with God. He lost the authority that he had and he lost eternal life. And so every one of us have been, were born into a system where we were estranged from God. But God's love, God's desire is that he brings everyone back to himself because he wants everyone close to him. He wants to restore the original design of intimate fellowship with him. And so we started the other day looking at um, just the reality of what happens when we get saved. So we looked at a few things. We started to look at a few things. Few of those things. I had nine things. This is the first one. We're brought into God's family. That's good news. Amen. You're no longer an orphan. You know, some of the people that, that Josh deals with, they're in broken families. Some of them feel like orphans. Some of them have been abandoned. And you can be in a family, you can have a whole lot of friends, and yet in terms of your relationship to God, you can feel totally ostracized, isolated as though you're an orphan. And yet when we come to Jesus, when we receive him as our saviour, we get born into the family of God. Amen? You are baptised into Jesus. You're baptised into his family. I'm not talking about when you go and get water baptised and then people want to baptise you into a particular denomination. No, folks. The most important thing to be baptised is into Jesus and into his family, to all who believe him and accept him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. That's good news. That's good news. We are born into the family of God. Amen? The second one was we looked at quickly was this, is that we've been forgiven all our sin. All our sin. And this is one of the areas where I find people get very confused and there's a lot of argument and debate within the church around the world. People get caught up. Remember, I, I'm writing all these little books and one of the books I'm writing on is, is confession because people are so bogged down and tied down to this thing of I've got to, every time something happens, every time I do something wrong in my life, I've got to confess, otherwise God hasn't forgiven my sin. And if you follow that logic through to its end conclusion in terms of the theolog- theology of it, it means if, 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 if sin has separated us from God, Right? And God only forgives your sin for the ones that sins that you confess. What does it mean for all those sins you haven't confessed? It means you're separated from God. It means you're still separated from God. Right? Unforg- can, will God let an unforgiven person into heaven? So if, you, so if God only forgives the sins that you continually confess day after day after day, right? And you have unconfessed sin in your life, 
which means, according to this logic, that means you've got unforgiven sin in your life. What happens when you die? See, it affects the way that we view salvation. It affects the way that we view the gospel. In actual fact, what it does, it makes your, it's elevating your, the power of your confession of sin over the power of Jesus' blood. That's what it's doing. That's what Paul talks about. Well, the writer to the Hebrews says, man, you guys are just, you're trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. You're not regarding the, the, the authority and the power and the glory that it has. The wonder of, his, of, of, of Calvary. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture, Colossians 2. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. That's what happens when you receive Jesus. He forgave how many sins? All our sins. He cancelled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. <laughs> all sin. 1 John 1 9 says he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Romans 4, 7 and 8 talks about um, blessed is the man whose sins are covered, whose sins the Lord will never, ever, ever count against him. Psalm 103 talks about God has removed our sin, uh, uh, from us as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah 43 it uh, says that God remembers our sin no more. That's good news, folk. And yet so many Christians are living this life of guilt and condemnation, trying to remember every sin. Before I go to bed tonight, I've got to remember every sin and confess every sin. Otherwise, God's not going to forgive me. What a horrible way to live. Yeah, exactly. See, we all sin. Still even as born-again believers. So let me ask you a question. Which is the most powerful confession? Your confession of sin or your confession of Jesus? <laughs> Which is more powerful? Your confession of Jesus. It's far more powerful. And yet what does religion do? It continually emphasizes your confession of sin when the gospel is emphasizing your confession of Jesus. And that's how we should live. If you're living a, a life every day, I'm confessing the power of Jesus' blood over my life, man, that is so much more powerful than me trying to remember every single little sin and be worried about, oh, have I confessed, have I confessed, have I confessed that sin? 1 John 1 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you of all sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. When did Jesus die? 2,000 years ago. 
He dealt with your sin 2,000 years ago. That means all of your sin was future. He dealt with your sin in the future tense. And when you actually break down that 1 John 1, 9 scripture, it's actually talking about God forgiving all your sin, past, present, and future. So if my future sin has been forgiven, if it has been cast away so that God remembers it no more, it's as far as the east is from the west, it's all forgiven, and I have been cleansed of all sin, why would I tie my life up in trying to confess sin every single day when it's already dealt with? That's not a way to live. Now, does that mean that we should never confess sin when we do stuff wrong? No, we should. I confess every day. Every day. But I'm not, my mind is not occupied with trying to find every little sin and beg God for forgiveness. My confession is, thank you, Jesus. I've messed up today, but I thank you that I'm already forgiven. And I live in the freedom and the reality of that. Folks, that's the good news of the gospel. But, but let's be honest, how many Christians know that and live in that reality? Not enough. Which means we're not living in the goodness, good news of the gospel. We're not living in the reality of the good news of the gospel. We're living in a mixed gospel. And a mixed gospel is so weak. It's impotent. I'm sure you all know what that means. It is an impotent gospel. It cannot produce anything in your life. So God removes our sin. He forgives us our sin. He has forgotten our sin. And he has cleansed us of all sin and unrighteousness. But do you know that it even gets better than that? This is the good news of the gospel. It gets even better than you just being forgiven. You have been made righteous and holy. I mean, that's an amazing fact that God declares us every day and sees us righteous and holy. I used to live with this idea. You know, I realized how wrong it actually was. And it was this. The only, only reason that God can possibly see me as righteous, and now, look, there's a partial truth to this. There is a truth to this, but it's not the full picture. But this is how I used to live. God can see me as righteous and holy so long as he only sees me through Jesus. Who was taught that? So in other words, so this is the way I used to live. So, long, so God will see me through the filter of Jesus. All right? we, we, people get taught that all the time. Now that's true, but it's only part of the story. And this is the way that I used to end up living. Is that, just come here Robin. So here's Jesus. All right. It's Valentine's Day. Here's Jesus. 
So this is the way I used to live. God's over there where Kevin is. I'd have to make sure every part of the day, all of my life, I'm living here. Don't move, don't move. So move. Take a few steps to the left. Thanks. That, 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 that's how I used to live. Worried all the time. Am I, am I behind Jesus? Because if I wasn't exactly behind Jesus, God would see past Jesus and he would see the real me and I'd be finished. The laser beam of God's holiness would come shooting out from heaven and just burn me to a crisp. And I live like that, actually consciously live like that for a long time. Always worried. Am I, am I right behind Jesus? And, I, and you know that verse that talks about where Paul says, you know, keep in step with the Holy Spirit? So I, I, I imposed that upon this idea. And so I had to make sure wherever Jesus, I've got to make sure I'm hiding, not just walking with Jesus. No, I've got to be hiding behind Jesus. As if God can't see through or past. Now, many Christians wouldn't articulate it like that. But I want to tell you, that thought is in, their, is in their mind. That is so often how people live. God sees me through the filter of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, that is true. But there's more to it than that. Hebrews 10.10 says that through the sacrifice of Jesus, he has made you holy. Paul says in Corinthians, I haven't put it up, oh, yet 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that, it, it, in English it's, it's not a great translation because it talks about that we, we have been come up, we have been saved or redeemed or reconciled to God so that we might become the righteousness of Christ, of God through Christ. But that, and so we get confused because of that little word might. We think, okay, maybe one day when I've done enough good things, I might become righteous. That's not the way to read that. And it's not the way that Paul meant it. He was making a statement of fact. That you have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and you have become righteous. Not just your righteousness, the righteousness of Christ has been credited to you so that you have been made holy. I think this, this thing above anything else is the number one thing where Christians struggle. And here's why. Because we all know we still sin. We all know that we still have wrong thoughts and attitudes. We all know that every day we have this, what we think is a credibility gap between what the Bible declares about us and where we actually live. And so we doubt the truth of what God declares. We doubt the truth. 
If you doubt truth, what does that mean for your life? Because Jesus says this. It's John 8, 32, I think. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing truth means you are fully convinced. It doesn't mean you just have a note on a page, a bit of data, a bit of information in your head. To know truth means you are fully convinced of that truth. What does that truth do when you are fully convinced of it? It sets you free. So if you're not fully convinced of this truth, you're living with the struggle with this credibility gap, what does that mean? You're not living in freedom. There's parts of your life, there's parts of your thinking, and the way you think affects every part of your life. It means you're living in bondage in certain areas of your life. You're not free. That's why people run to God. Oh, oh God, please, for, please, please, beg, and they beg God to forgive them because they're not living in the truth of understanding they have been forgiven and made righteous and holy. Hebrews 10, 14, you have been made perfect forever. Oh, but I'm not perfect because I keep doing things wrong. How do, you, how do you bridge that credibility gap? How do you live with that? Living with that and learning how to deal with that is actually the whole thing of this Christian journey that we're on. That's the Christian walk. How do, we, how do we learn how to live with, not sweeping sin under the carpet, not ignoring it, not making out it's not there. That's just stupidity. So how do we live with this gap? How do we close the gap? Well, religion is all about changing your behaviour, external behaviour modification so that you can close that gap. How do you close the gap? I've mentioned it before when I talked about the way that we compartmentalise our life. The reason that we have a struggle with the gap is because we have a spiritual life and then we have a natural life and we haven't been able to reconcile the two. And so our natural thinking keeps seeing this gap. But if you live from your spirit, man, there is no gap. We're actually dealing with some, some heavy theological stuff here. If you live from your spirit man in the full freedom and liberty of the truth of what God declares about us and over us, then there is no gap, even when you sin. Why do, why do I have to keep massaging this in from all different, 50 different angles all the time? Because we don't get it. Seriously. We just, we just don't get it. We think we do, and we live free for a little while, and then something happens, and boom. Oh no, we've got this massive gap again. 
Now, we are called to live holy lives. And that actually does require us to make some adjustments. But you do not do that from an external point of view because you'll always fail. You'll never be able to keep it up. But as we begin to live more and more and more out of the reality of who we are on the inside, this, not, 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 not the horrible parts that you've got hidden away there, live from the reality of your spirit, your born-again spirit that is 100% perfect, that has been intertwined with the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit that's inside you. The more we learn how to live from that place with the mind of Christ, your behavior starts to naturally change from the inside out. You're not trying to force change from the outside in. Now, here's the, here's the mistake that many of us can make um, when we've had a measure of revelation of grace is we just stop living. What do I mean by that? We, we just rely, okay, Jesus, you've done it all, and I'm perfectly on, perfect on the inside, so that's it. And we just go ahead and we just live the way that we want to, thinking we can get away with it. Well, you can go on for the rest of your life living like that. And from a vertical perspective, in terms of how God still sees you, you can get away with it. You can get away with that. But there'll be no power in your life. You're not living from a place of freedom and liberty, which means you're going to struggle to live from a place of joy and peace a sense of contentment and there'll be very little impact through your life upon others. And we're here to actually impact the world to be a demonstration of Jesus. Which means that as much as we don't want to engage and employ a whole lot of religious stuff to try and change ourselves from the outside, we still have to be consciously aware of, hey, you know, that stuff that I am doing all the time, that, that habit that I'm engaged in or that kind of speech or whatever it is that I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I know I don't really have the power to change that, but I'm going to make a conscious decision that I do want to change it. And when we do that, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit just comes and begins to do something in us and empowers us to begin to change. We can't, we can't throw away some of those realities just because we understand grace or hold to a grace position because that will end up giving you personal security in terms of your salvation but it will cause you to be a, a Christian who has no impact in the world and that's not what we're called to do or be. Amen? Does that make sense or am I rambling on too much? Either I'm totally deaf because I didn't hear any. <laughs> made holy, made perfect. 
given a brand new future through Jesus. Paul says in Romans 3, he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who, who knows that scripture? Who's heard it quoted like that? How many of you have heard the actual whole scripture quoted? See, again, religion, what does it do? It majors, majors on your sin. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. But the rest of the verse says, and are justified freely through Jesus. Justified freely through Jesus. What does that mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Think about, let that sink in. Just as if I have never sinned. I'll say it again. Just as if I have never sinned. So God doesn't just give you a new future and a hope and a destiny that you can look forward to. He's given you a whole brand new past. Some of us live with skeletons in the closet. We, we, we are ashamed of, of, of our past. We are worried about our past. We are worried that, man, one day, what if something happens and that gets exposed? The sad thing is the way that people are so judgmental, that can have an effect at this level. Right? It will never have an effect this way. In fact, the new past that you were given is the past of Jesus. The life of Jesus and his perfection was credited to you, not just for your future, but it covers all of your past. Wow. I wish we didn't have to live with, with a, a kind of thing where oh, if, 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 if people knew I did that years ago, that it would affect relationships. I wish we could live in a mature world with true forgiveness pouring out of our hearts all the time and grace pouring out of our hearts all the time, that it never affected things this way. Sadly, it still does. But it will never, ever God, you think you can hide something from God? You might have something that you're ashamed of that you hope no one ever finds out about, but let me tell you, God already knows. You've never been able to hide it from him, ever. Ever. But it makes no difference because you've got a brand new past. You know, we... we, we, we we watch our kids grow up and they're just so innocent at times. You know, Jesus talks about coming to him as a little, as a little child, that, that the gospel is, is really, it's childlike. And yet it's so deep and profound, but it's childlike in that there is an innocence that we are to have. And that's what it is. Before you ever, 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 ever did anything wrong, you didn't even know that there was wrong. 
Now, that's how Adam was created. He didn't even know there was wrong and right. Think about that. He was created with a pure spirit and soul and mind that he didn't even know what was right or wrong. I'm, I'm convinced of this. This is my personal conviction. Is that one of the reasons that God said don't eat of that tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, right? It wasn't a test. I'm going to test you, Adam. God gave that instruction to Adam and Eve because he didn't want them to ever know the difference between right and wrong. That might sound a bit confusing. If you continually trust God in everything, <laughs> you don't have to worry about this other stuff. Why is that true? Because God is perfect and holy. There is no evil in him. And if all you do is see him, all you're going to see is good. What do you base your life on? The goodness of God. What do you live out of? The goodness of God. Have I bored you? Have I confused you? Am I still just deaf? <laughs> oh, I can't do any more than that because our time's gone. Just as if I've never sinned. The perfect life of Jesus has been credited to us. What does that mean? It means that sin cannot stick to me as far as God is concerned. As far as he is concerned, he just sees me 24-7 as perfect. So we're born into the family of God, with sons and daughters, with all the blessings that come with that. We are forgiven forever. And we have been made 100% perfectly righteous. And I intended to do a whole lot more today, and that's all we've got done. But that's fine. If you've been struggling with, with just this up and down thing every day, one day, yeah, God loves me, the next day he doesn't. It's like that old schoolyard song, he loves me, he loves me not. You know, you pick petals off a flower on Valentine's Day. Then I, uh, my, my prayer and my encouragement, my exhortation for us today is let truth grab you. Let truth take a hold of you and bring liberty, and bring freedom, and break off all of the doubt that the devil keeps trying to stick in your mind. Live free. Live free. Amen? Lucian, let's, let's finish with a song. Be good to do that today.
You were born for freedom. <laughs> you were born to live free. You were born to live in the liberty of the good news of the gospel. We weren't born to be religious creatures. We were born to be spirit beings. Amen? And there is a big difference between the two. A big difference between the two. I, I don't want to live religious life. I want to live in the freedom of the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. 